We're continuing through the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles. What the church is supposed to act like. Last week, the stoning of Stephen sent them running for their lives. In fact, that was the title, Run for Your Life. Philip ran into a sorcerer who then ran to Peter for his life. But Philip isn't finished. The Holy Spirit's not finished. In that story and in your story, the Holy Spirit's not finished. The Holy Spirit's not finished with Philip. He's gone into Samaria and he has encountered uh, Simon the sorcerer from Samaria. But the Holy Spirit's not done. God is going to use this former table waiter. Listen, I just love this part. God is going to use this former table waiter to send the gospel of Jesus Christ into Africa. What? Yeah, this guy. Let's ask a couple of questions as we continue our travel through the book of Acts today. Who's in charge of this whole church movement thing anyway? You think it's a, the apostles, they all got together and said, hmm, how can we get the gospel into Africa? So who's in charge? Who's moving? Who's, who's initiating all of this? And who is directing each individual church member into the right place at the right time? Who's doing that? The Holy Spirit is working and there is no church. L listen. The Holy Spirit is working, and there is no church without the Holy Spirit. If you think, well, I like the whole church thing, I'm just not into the Holy Spirit thing, then you are totally confused. There is no church without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God, the presence of Christ. And without Christ, without His presence, we're by ourselves. There's no fruit from a church that is not connected to the vine. The Holy Spirit is that connection. In fact, let me say, our greatest efforts on our own on the last day will be hay, wood, and straw. They will burn up in the fire. They won't cross over. They won't cross over. The Bible clearly says that on our own, our works, our good works, Without Christ, without the direction of the Holy Spirit, are going to be like hay, wood, and straw. They're going to burn up in the fire that's coming. But through Christ, through Christ, through the Holy Spirit, our works are of Him, by Him, for Him, and they survive. They're like precious jewels before God the Father. The Holy Spirit had led Philip to Samaria and the same Holy Spirit led Peter and John to Samaria to support Philip there. The Holy Spirit then led Peter and John to preach as they traveled through the Samaritan villages. And the Holy Spirit took Peter and John out of Jerusalem. Took them out of Jerusalem. Said, no, you're going to go out and preach to those Samaritans. Those people many of y'all don't even like. But you're going to like them. And the Holy Spirit directs Philip to a certain intersection at a certain time. Listen, you can't do this on your own. Church people, you cannot do this on your own. It's meaningless to try to do life on your own. What I'm about to read to you is the Holy Spirit is going to take a man named Philip and he's going to put him in exactly a certain place at exactly a certain time because in those 
appointed moments, God is going to send the gospel of Jesus Christ into Africa. Who could think this up? Acts 8, verse 26. As for Philip, the angel of the Lord. Now, don't read over it. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And then this first verse, verse 26, says, And Philip, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, wait a minute. It was an angel of the Lord that sent Philip to that street address. Terry, you've been saying it's the Holy Spirit that directs us in our life. Then why is an angel of the Lord coming and doing it? Who is the Holy Spirit? Yes, it was an angel of the Lord coming to Philip and directing him to a certain intersection at a certain time. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is the Spirit of Christ. Who do you think this angel works for? Come on, come on. Who do you think this angel works for that has now come to Philip? He is an angel of the Lord. He is an angel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is not an angel of Satan. He is not a demon. He is an angel of the Lord Jesus Christ, dispatched by the Spirit of Christ to Philip. So let me ask you a question. A lot of people like to talk about angels. Does God still use angels to communicate and carry out his work in the church today? Does God still use angels? Or have they all been laid off? They're all drawing unemployment somewhere in heaven. Hebrews 1, 14 in the New Testament. Therefore angels are only servants. Spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. They're servants of Christ. So while I sit here and say the Holy Spirit is the church and the church is led by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ and the Spirit of Christ has servants called angels that minister to those who are going to receive salvation. Philip is one of them and Jesus has sent an angel to Philip and said, go here on this time. Hebrews 13 verse 2. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Now I'm going to tell you, a lot of people have talked about that verse over the years. I've talked about that verse over the years. You, you never know when you meet somebody for the first time, that it, what if it is an angel? What if it is an angel? I've got an interesting story. It was years ago, I was going to work in Harrodsburg, and I'm driving down 127, and there is a man, a, a dark-skinned man, standing in front of what's now the Town and Country Bank. I'm heading to Harrodsburg. I see this guy standing on the side of the road, and I think, eh, I'll stop and get him. He's not packing a machete or anything, so I generally don't pick up anybody packing a machete, okay? Just one rule. So I pull over, and I, and I, I roll down the window, and I say, where are you heading, buddy? He said, I'm going to Bardstown. I said, well, I'm not going to Bardstown, but I can get you out to the parkway. So he gets in the car, and immediately, listen, immediately, you expect when you pick somebody up on the side of the road that there might, they might have been homeless, and maybe their clothing is, is soiled, and they don't smell very good, but the opposite was true. This guy sat in my front seat, and suddenly 
it's like he just came out of the shower and had the most miraculous cologne on I'd ever smelled. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I didn't bring it up, but I thought it was interesting. Man, you smell good. He, he might have got out. <laughs> so anyway, I start driving down the road, and I start asking him some questions. And I ask him where he stayed, and immediately his language, the way he talked to me, was very succinct. Not rambling, very succinct. Where, where, where are you from? Well, I'm from everywhere. Where do you stay? I mean, what, what, he said, I stay wherever I need to stay each night. He started answering questions like that. Well, immediately, immediately, I'm thinking about Hebrews 13 too. Do not hesitate to entertain strangers, for many have entertained angels unaware. And I'm thinking to myself, ooh, better watch what I say to this guy. So anyway, we have a pretty good conversation, and I talk about Jesus, I do. And he's kind of stoic in some ways. And we get up to the parkway, and I'll never forget this. We get to the parkway, and I say, sir, I've got to go on to work, but I'm going to let you out here, and Bartstown's that way. And he says, well, thank you. He's very cordial, very polite. And he gets out of my car, and here's what he does. He stands there like this at the door, and I pull off. And I head toward Harrodsburg. And you're not going to believe the next part. And when I get pretty far down the road, not so far that I can't see out the rearview mirror, I turn around, I look in the rearview mirror, and I can't see him. Now, I'm not saying maybe he ducked. Maybe he jumped over the rail. I don't know. I don't know. But listen, I believe the Word of God is true. And I believe many have entertained angels unaware. I, I believe that they are among us, completing, carrying out the work of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, among those who are being saved. He has angels watching over you. He's got angels watching over Philip. So, so here's my question in this story. Did Philip know that this was an angel carrying God's position sensor, a GPS? Because what this angel's doing is directing Philip to a certain place at a certain time. Because God has set up an appointment. Set up an appointment. Philip didn't set up the appointment. God set up the appointment. The book of Hebrews opens with this announcement of how God will communicate to the church in the last days. L listen, you don't have to guess. The book of Hebrews says how God will communicate to believers to the church in the last days. And by the way, just a, an advertisement, uh, this Roots class that we're going to start in September, uh, the class I've decided to lead is going to be on the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. Long ago, Old Testament, okay? Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. Many times, many ways. He spoke through a burning bush. He spoke through verbal angelic announcements. He spoke through prophets. He spoke in a lot of ways, right? In the, in the, in the Old Testament. And now in these final days. Listen, church. How's he do it now? And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance and through the Son, He created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and He sustains 
everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins on the cross, he sat down at the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels. If you want to know who's got the rank, this shows that Jesus is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. The Spirit of Christ will do the talking in the last days. Here's where we start today. The Spirit of Christ is going to do the talking in the last days, in the final days. And yes, he uses angels. Yes. Did Philip know it was an angel? It looks like he did. Well, obviously, Luke did, because he writes, an angel of the Lord comes and directs Philip. I can tell you this, Philip obeyed. When an angel tells you to do something, can I give you some counsel? Go on and do it. Next verse, verse 26. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia. What a coincidence. As he started out, he meets the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candake, and but that word means can be translated Candace or Queen, the Queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning, seating. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. What a coincidence. Don't you think this is an incredible coincidence that Philip would meet the treasurer of Ethiopia on this road on that day at that time? Not just any Ethiopian. No, 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 no. Not just any Ethiopian, but this is a Jewish Ethiopian who had come to worship at the Jerusalem temple. The Jewish man from Africa was reading the Old Testament. And what was he reading from the Old Testament? He's reading the book of Isaiah. What a coincidence. Now let's stop in the story for a moment. Do you think this stuff actually happens? That God actually appoints certain times and, uh, and situations for individuals, uses angels, uses the Holy Spirit. Does he still do it today? Let me, let me make it personal. Do you think your sitting in this room today is a coincidence? Do you think where you are in your life right now is a coincidence? Or do you think God, the one who was and is and is to come, is arranging certain appointments in your life? Or maybe you just think life is totally random. A series of whatevers, what ifs. Who knows? Or is this a divine encounter? Do you think this Ethiopian Jewish man thinks God has dispatched an angel to lead a former table-waiting Christian to stop my chariot today? I don't think this Ethiopian has any idea what's going on. Philip, I hope, has a pretty good idea after leaving Samaria what is going on. God's doing something in me. Now, the Ethiopian probably has no clue that God has set up this divine appointment. And what a coincidence it is. Guess who speaks to Philip next? 
Guess who speaks to Philip next? An angel has dispatched him. Now who's going to talk next? Verse 29, the Holy Spirit. Here he comes. He's not using an angel this time. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk beside the carriage. Now I kind of get tickled when I hear this because your first inclination when the Holy Spirit tells you something is, well, what if he don't want me to walk beside his carriage? That might be a little intrusive into his space. God is moving, and those who have the Holy Spirit are participants in this move of God. God's doing this. God is expanding the kingdom. Listen, here's what's amazing. When you can step back and look, you know what God's doing? He's expanding the kingdom from Jerusalem through Judea. He's done Samaria. And guess what? He wants Africa. Philip didn't come up with this plan. God's got this plan. This is not Philip's idea. It is the unstoppable movement of God. The Spirit told Philip to walk. And Philip decided to run. Oh, if that were true today. Run. Verse 30. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit says to Philip, what? Go, go walk beside the chariot. Go walk beside this chariot. Just, just do what I tell you. Go walk beside the chariot. And what's he find? He finds an Ethiopian reading Isaiah. What a coincidence. And Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? What a coincidence. The Jewish Ethiopian man is reading a 750-year-old writing from the prophet Isaiah. And guess who knows what Isaiah was writing about? The Ethiopian doesn't know what Isaiah is writing about, but guess who happens to be standing there and he knows what Isaiah is writing about? His name's Philip. Was the Ethiopian offended by Philip coming up to his chariot? You see, that's why many modern-day Philips might be afraid of. I need to speak to the church on this issue. You see, when God's moving, He's arranging the details. So one of our inclinations, and I struggle with it sometimes too, is when I feel the Holy Spirit's leading of something, you might first think, well, what if they're offended when I go up and do what I've just been led to do? What if, what if they don't want me beside their chariot? What if they don't want me saying, do you know what you're reading? What if they don't want me, what if they don't want me in their space? Who's doing this? God's doing this. Was the Ethiopian offended? You see, God is arranging. You know what that means? I'm going to tell you what that means. God is preparing this Ethiopian's heart. He, he maybe has been preparing his heart for years. I don't know. That's God's territory. But he's preparing this Ethiopian to encounter Jesus. He set it up. So you chill out. Just do what you're told. Do what the Holy Spirit leads you. Let God work out the details. God was preparing this Ethiopian to receive that which Philip is carrying. You know what it is? It's called truth. Next verse, verse 31. The man replied, how can I know the book of Isaiah? How can I know who Isaiah is talking about? How can I know unless someone instructs me? Is he offended? No. He's excited. And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit down with him. Guess what? The Ethiopian just picked up a hitchhiker. 
Come on, get in my carriage. We'll go for a ride. God was putting all this together and the power of the Holy Spirit was working to reveal the gospel. Do you think this still happens today? You know, here's the frustrating part for me. I see a lot of people in the church who believe this thing actually happened. You just don't believe it's happening now. Then you'd be wrong. He's still doing it. Notice how the man answers Philip's question. Philip's question, do you understand Isaiah's writing? And how can I unless someone instructs me? Pause in this story for a moment. Let's broaden out this picture of evangelism. How does evangelism really work? Because what's Peter, what's Philip doing? It's evangelism. It's the expansion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How does it really work? God is about to reveal himself to this Ethiopian man so that this man might receive the gift. And I want to do something today. One of my primary goals today is not just so you know the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. One of my primary goals today is you understand how evangelism works. How does evangelism work? So let's go over to the book of Romans, chapter 10. How does evangelism work? Listen carefully. I'm going to pray. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you would reveal through your Holy Spirit, open our minds to understand the Scriptures so that we might understand how evangelism works now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentiles are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Listen, how does evangelism work? How does evangelism work now in the church? Verse 14. How can they call on him? Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? How does evangelism work? Verse 15, and how will anyone go and tell them unless they're sent? Unless somebody goes and somebody sends them to go. That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Verse 16, but not everyone welcomes the good news. There's going to be some people that are going to reject the good news. It's okay. Just understand, that's how it's going to work. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So here comes, here comes the summary. How does evangelism work today? Verse 17, so faith, that's believing. Faith comes by hearing. That is hearing the good news of Christ and how somebody going to get saved in faith if they don't hear and how somebody going to hear if somebody doesn't tell them and who is that somebody it's us it's us but I ask verse 18 have the people of Israel actually heard the message yes they have 
the message has gone throughout the earth and the words to all the world. How can they call on Jesus to save them if they don't know about Jesus? And how will anyone know if we don't preach the gospel? And who will preach the gospel unless they are sent out to preach the gospel? And who is sending them out to preach the gospel? The Holy Spirit through the believing church. Is this just full-time preachers? How many people sitting in the church? In your mind right now, you know who you think he's talking about? Full-time preachers. Yeah, Terry, that's what we pay you to do. You are wrong. You are wrong. It's you. It is me, but it's you. And it's me. Faith saves us. But you must hear the gospel before you can have faith in the gospel. Faith comes by hearing the good news. And Philip is about to reveal the good news that Isaiah prophesied 750 years in advance. The Ethiopian was reading what we know. I don't have to guess. Luke writes it down in the book of Acts. The Ethiopian was reading what we know as Isaiah chapter 53. I want to read to you. First, let me just read that account in Acts. Okay. The man replied, verse 31. The Ethiopian man replied, How can I, unless somebody instructs me, how can I know who Isaiah is talking about? And he urged Philip to come up in the carriage and sit with him. The passage of Scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. See, the Ethiopian guy doesn't know who Isaiah is talking about. Do you? If somebody caught you outside this building today and pulled up Isaiah 53 and said, okay, church people, who's Isaiah talking about in Isaiah 53? I don't know. Call Terry. Who's he talking about? We're supposed to know. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself, or was he talking about somebody else? So beginning with the same scripture, I love this. Beginning with what? You know how he taught, he taught the Bible? By using the Bible. Still works. I'm going to tell you what, still works. Still works. He taught the Bible by using the Bible. Beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Jesus is the guy who was led like a lamb to slaughter. The man didn't know about the sheep that was led to slaughter, but guess who? Philip did. The man didn't know about the lamb that was silent before the shear, but Philip did. The man didn't know who Isaiah was writing about, but Philip did. What a coincidence! And Philip happens to be standing at the intersection when the chariot comes by. So what did Philip do? Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Philip didn't tell him to call Peter. Everybody listen to me. You know what? I can't find anywhere in here. Philip said, call Peter. He'll tell you. I got things to do. He told him. Philip didn't direct him to the church website. No, he didn't do that either. Philip accepted the fact that God had appointed him at this very moment to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That God's Holy Spirit had appointed him. 
you. This is not a random coincidence. This is a divine appointment. And yes, God is still doing this same thing today. But this story's not over, is it? Let's keep going. Verse 36. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the Ethiopian man said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized the Ethiopian man. This former table waiter just baptized a man from Africa. Now, now I'm going to tell you, I don't, don't read over that. How cool is that? This is one of the seven guys called to wait tables in Jerusalem so the apostles wouldn't be distracted by the physical stuff of the church. And what's he doing now? How much time went by? I don't know. But what's he doing now? He's baptizing a guy from Africa. Perhaps the first guy from Africa to be baptized. Did I mention he's also converted a sorcerer? And he's also preached in a place nobody wanted to preach, Samaria? He's been given GPS coordinates by an angel, and he's empowered by the Holy Spirit? What a coincidence! And here's the point. What a coincidence. And I wonder if Philip's resume would ever get him a job in any church today. No. No. Philip's resume wouldn't get him a job anywhere. And yet God's using this guy. God's using this guy to send the gospel into Africa. We're only in Acts chapter 8, and this is session 13. But can anybody in the room see how the church was designed to work? I hope so, because I've been praying that this church would understand how the church is supposed to operate. Is it? What you've read so far in the book of Acts, do you think that's how the modern American church functions? No. No. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Apostle Paul tells us about how the church is supposed to function. All of you together are Christ's body. I want you to, I want you to look at this room today. All of us together are Christ's body. And each of us is a part of Christ's body. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First, there are the apostles. Second, there are the prophets. Third, there are teachers, then those who do miracles, then those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, and those who have the gift of leadership, and those who can speak in unknown languages. These are just a few of the parts of the body of Christ, and it is not a coincidence. You in this room today are not here by coincidence. Your abilities, your gifts, your callings are all appointed by God. Every part of the body of Christ is valuable. And they are all important for this church, for the church of Jesus Christ, for the body of Christ to function. All the parts of the body must assume their place in the body. And there are no callings in the body to be watchers. There are no callings in the body to be lookers, spectators. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. 
The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we all have been baptized into one body and one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Somebody say amen. We all, we're all many parts, but we all share one spirit. We all share one spirit, one body. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell? But our bodies have many parts And God has put each part just where He wants it. Listen, you are not here by coincidence. God has put every one of you in this church for a certain reason. God chose. He chooses. You don't get to pick your gift. By the way, you don't get to pick your part in the body of Christ. I don't get to pick my part in the body of Christ. Philip didn't get to pick his part in the body of Christ. Peter didn't get to pick his part in the body of Christ. God assembles the pieces into the body. Verse 19. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never, can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. So I'm going to ask everybody in the church today a question. Where do you fit in the body of Christ? I didn't come here to entertain anybody. Where do you fit in the body of Christ? Can you answer it? I'm a mouth, and I admit it. I'm a mouth. My wife says that on several occasions. You are a mouth. I have no impressive resume except the Holy Spirit. He has captured my heart. I am a mouth. I have been called of God to speak. I am trying to be obedient in that call. There is still one more thing with Philip before we close today after the baptism of the Ethiopian. Verse 39. When they came up out of the water, he's baptized the Ethiopian man. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord did something. Whoa. I, I got to say, whoa. He snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again. But the eunuch went away rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at a town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. The Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip. So I want you to do something with me. Use your imagination right now. You're Philip. You've just what? You, you've, you've, you have talked to this sorcerer from Samaria You've seen Philip and uh, Peter and John have come to town. You've seen that the, the whole 
town of Samaria is turned upside down with the gospel of Christ. And now an angel comes and says, hey, you got an appointment down here near Gaza. And then the Holy Spirit says, go to a chariot of an African guy. And now you've just baptized a guy from Africa. And you just got snatched up. You're not even where you used to be. And you're not even drinking. All right, what's going on in Philip's mind right now? Can I tell you what I think? This is the greatest adventure I've ever been on in my life. This is the greatest adventure I have ever been on in my lifetime. And I'm not doing it. Somebody else is through me. This is the church of Jesus Christ. This is the church of Jesus Christ. This is not some abstract, abnormal circumstance. Everybody is not going to do what Philip did. That's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you what, it is the great adventure. It is. What a coincidence. No, it's not. It's not a coincidence at all. The Ethiopian man saw the snatching. (laughs) Okay, let's move from Philip now to the Ethiopian man. He just saw Philip get snatched out. I don't even know what that means other than poof, you're gone. He just saw the snatching. What do you think is going through his mind? Anybody in the room think the Ethiopian says after Philip gets snatched, what a coincidence. (laughs) No, he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. When you see God moving, do you think it's a coincidence? I bet the chariot ride back to Africa was different. Don't you? What do you think this Ethiopian eunuch did when he got home? Here's where the story turns. Very, very, very interesting. What do you think this Ethiopian man did after he got back to Africa? After he just witnessed the snatching. My bet is this. My bet is this. He became a Philip. He became a Philip. Blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. And as for Philip, after the snatching, he found himself in Azotos, a preacher in Azotos. He preached in every town as he traveled to Caesarea. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've been to Caesarea. And he preached in every town as he travels to Caesarea. And then I got to thinking, when I was writing this and studying this, I got to thinking, listen, I'm from Birdie. I'm from Birdie. I got no resume. And I've preached in Caesarea. And I have told people about Jesus in Germany. And I have told people about Jesus in England. And I have told people about Jesus in Haiti. And I have preached a church service in St. Croix. And I have, like this Philip guy, experienced the great adventure. It's got nothing to do with your resume. God is not interested in your resume. You know what he's interested in? You finding your place in the body of Christ. It is the great adventure. So, why Philip? And why the Ethiopian man? God was expanding the kingdom of Christ into Africa. When he said what? You will be. He looks at these 12 guys and says, you will be my witnesses. When the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Why Philip? 
Why the Ethiopian? God is putting together, together this global plan of evangelism. It's his plan. It's not our plan. It's his plan. This is an unstoppable move of God. It's called the church. This is how the book of Acts begins. Acts 1, verse 7. I want to go back to the beginning. Because if you don't understand the beginning, you're not going to understand what's happening here. He, Jesus, replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They are not for you to know. But you will, but you will, but you will, church. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do you think all this is coincidence? God is working out this upper story, unstoppable plan. And every piece of this divine puzzle is ordained by God himself. This question, I'm going I'm to close with something that soon seem out of place, but stay with me. It's important. This question might seem out of place right now, but let me, let me ask you a question. Everybody stay with me. Where do you think the Ark of the Covenant is today? That golden box, you know, you saw the Indiana Jones movie, you know that one? That golden box that had inside of it the stone tablets, the jar of manna, Aaron's staff that budded, the, the cherubim on top, the throne of God, the presence of God, the glory of God. Where do you think the Ark of the Covenant is today? We find it in Solomon's temple between 970 and 930 B.C., and we find it a little bit there after that, and then it vanished. Much of Israel tradition holds that it disappeared during the Babylonian attack in Jerusalem in 586 B.C. Some say, some Jewish people say it is hidden under the Temple Mount in a secret place. I don't know. And some say this. In fact, if you look it up on the Smithsonian Magazine, here's what it says. Through the centuries, Ethiopian Christians, Ethiopian Christians have claimed that the ark rests in a chapel in a small town of Aksum in their country's northern highlands. It arrived nearly 3,000 years ago, and they say has been guarded by a succession of virgin monks who, once anointed, are forbidden to set foot outside the chapel grounds until they die. What happened to the Ethiopian eunuch after he returned home, after encountering Philip and watching the snatching? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. Nobody knows. It's not recorded. But I can tell you what I do know. On August 28, 2013, there was an Associated Press release. August 28, 2013, the Associated Press writes this. Israeli authorities have completed what they say is the final large airlift of Ethiopian immigrants, ending decades of efforts to bring the remnants of ancient community to the Jewish state. Tali Aronsky, spokeswoman for the semi-official Jewish agency, says 450 people arrived Wednesday. They are called the Falash Marah, 
a community whose ancestors converted from Judaism to Christianity under duress about a hundred years ago, but managed to keep some of their Jewish customs. Aronsky said that the airlift caps off, listen, 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 this is out of Ethiopia into Israel, says this airlift caps off a three-year operation that brought 7,000 Ethiopians from Ethiopia to Israel. Thousands of Ethiopian Jews now live in Israel. Many arrived in secret airlifts, secret airlifts, between 1984 and 1990. What a coincidence. Between 1984 and 1990. It was called Operation Solomon. In 36 hours, a separate event, in 1991, 34, listen, this blows my mind, 34 Israeli planes carried 14,325 Ethiopian Jews from Africa to Israel. And that's after there were operations called Operation Moses and Operation Joshua. I got, here's the question. Why are all these Ethiopians moving some secretly from Africa to Israel in our generation? Today I do not pretend to understand all this. But I know this. But I know this. Listen, it is not a coincidence. I don't understand all this. I don't. It's not a coincidence. Just like that stone falling at the western wall of Jerusalem's temple on the 9th of Av. It's not a coincidence. I can't stand here and say I've got it all figured out. I can tell you, it is not a coincidence. I don't know if the ark is in Ethiopia or if it's just an ancient myth, but I can tell you what I do know. I can tell you what I do know. God is expanding His kingdom on this present earth. And He's doing it through common, ordinary people like Philip. People who will take their place in the body of Christ and allow God and His angelic realm through the Holy Spirit to carry out His mission. He's still doing it. These common people become extraordinary people when the Holy Spirit comes. These common people take their place inside the body of Christ under the head who is Christ Himself. People are being saved by the power of God. Nations are being saved by the power of God. The world is being changed by the power of God. And you and I, listen, you want to know what the great adventure is? Here it comes. You and I have been invited by the Creator of the universe to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to save people from hell. It is the great adventure. Can somebody tell me what you've got on your schedule that's bigger than that? I'm curious. What is your place in the body of Christ? I'll ask Chad to come out for the invitation. What is your place? If I were to come to you each one individually today and say, what is your place in the body of Christ? What is your role in the body? There are many parts, but they make up only one body. What's your place? I'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable. If your answer is, I don't know, here's what I'm asking. I'm asking you to pray that God would show you. Don't guess. 
Pray that God would reveal your place in the body of Christ. It doesn't necessarily have to be something at 1195 Nineveh Road. Maybe it's nothing to do with something that happens specifically at this address, but it's something that's happening on this planet. What's your place? What's your role? You know, we're not here today. You are not in this room today by coincidence. I'm not either. There are things happening around us that prove that he's real. And I believe time is short. Find your place in the body. If today the Holy Spirit convicts you to do something, there's only one answer. It's yes, Lord. You respond immediately and you respond completely. The invitation's open. i